And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gudwatna. So hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I am a consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm Thrusha Gudwatna. I'm a cardiology registrar, subspecialising in intervention. And this one I feel like is a long time coming. I've been really, really looking forward to this one. I feel like this person has helped the podcast get to where it is from the retweets, yeah, support that you've given us from the very beginning. With great, great honour, please do introduce yourself. Hello, I am Senka and I'm a general surgeon based out of Krakow, Poland. And I I can't believe you've, you've um, said so many nice things about me. I, I don't think I deserve it. I... I, I'm gonna get you cancelled, guys. <laughs> you said that. Oh no, no! I'm I'm working through my list of things. I'm I'm gonna get there. I'm I'm trying to find out how to get cancelled. Um. So yeah, welcome. I mean, you're in London at the moment. You've come all the way from Krakow. I am. Yeah? I am. Uh, not specifically for this podcast, although I do love you guys oh. very much. Um, I'm here on a <laughs> different matter entirely. But um, yeah, it's 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 lovely to be here and catch up with you guys. Yeah, I mean, I remember I thought you were you were a Londoner the way you were kind of getting involved with the med Twitter and all this kind of thing. And then I think you shared a picture of your flat and I thought that doesn't look like a London flat to me. Like what is it's that? like space? You know? Yeah. <laughs> also, there was a washing machine in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, that is definitely not a London flat, right? Um, I do live and work in, in Poland and I'm there, you know, 90 nine percent of the time um uh, my significant other is in london so that's scoop. why i'm got the scoop. right now just visiting um so yeah yeah just using this opportunity to chat with you guys while i'm here yeah yeah we, we were going to try and meet up in real life but you know obviously distances don't allow because through lives so far away from me i live so I far live away from Trusha, but yeah exactly i mean one of these days maybe we'll start getting people i'm very disappointed we didn't get to catch up in in person i, know, I think I that would have been fun oh yeah maybe next time yeah joe is super excited to hear what you sound like and it's interesting <laughs> because you've obviously got different kind of uh, bits to your uh, accent i don't i don't think she'll be disappointed it's awesome yeah, what is this accent? It sounds American. I thought you said you're from Krakow. Oh, what, what's going on here? It's very strange. So, so my, my entire life history is quite convoluted and, and complicated. I was um, originally born and raised in Serbia and lived there until I was about 17. And then I moved to the States where I finished high school and college and then realized I could never afford an American medical school. So I came back to Europe and randomly ended up in Poland. And I've been there ever since. So the last 16 years i've i've lived and worked in poland well there you go and i think not only are you the first polish person we've had on the show we're also going to be the first surgical person on the show mm. so you're going to really represent all of surgeons today in the same way that Therusha represents cardiologists ever since ever since i got the dm from Therusha, i i've <laughs> i felt this pressure to kind of redeem redeem all of the surgical specialties uh in this in this episode and um you've got I a lot of work to do avoid. yes you did a lot of work yeah a lot of work yeah. I mean, okay. So, I mean, it's been a complex week this week on um, on Med Twitter, isn't it? I mean, we've had a, a fair few things coming up, all sorts of stuff to do with Cobson's supervision, et cetera, et cetera. Where should we begin through? Do you want to throw us one? Give it, give us yeah, some stuff. I mean, there have been a number of tweets, not one in, uh, in particular, but I guess it's what a topic that we touched upon last week, which was the kind of CST or the core surgical training application performer. 
And there's mm. lots of discussion about it, right? Because there are lots and lots of uh, requirements to get into surgical training. It's obviously very competitive. And then people were kind of rightly making the comparison to IMT, so integrated medical training, saying, well, those applications are very, very um, competitive too. In fact, they're pretty much the same. There's nothing really new there, but it seems to do the rounds every so often, doesn't it, about kind of applications. And they do tend to focus on the surgeons. Why do you think that is, Senka? Why do you think you guys are so special? <laughs> um, I, I think I think surgeons are just very competitive. Although there's there's uh, quite a bit of differences between different surgical specialties. Um, I I don't know, but see, like this is a UK UK and a US thing, I think, because um, in in Poland, everyone kind of does the same thing. It's it your entrance is based just in your exam marks. Um, there isn't even an interview, so extracurriculars don't matter at all. Um, I I don't know why why it's people are making it so hard to get into these specialties if you don't have a lot of extra stuff going on or if you haven't been you know um doing sports or or doing different you know charities publishing yeah. starting in in medical school um it's it just puts unnecessary pressure on 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 candidates and forces them to do these things just for the sake of points um they you start wondering you know are people doing these things out of um you know uh, sincerity or is there an ulterior motive do they just do it for points um it just becomes a very unhealthy competition mm. I mean, I think I think a lot of people do all this stuff for points. I mean, if you're going to get, if you need to get publications, you do, you do get, you go get your publications, to try and get your jobs, right? I mean, that's the that's the way it seems to be. I mean, it's the same with a lot of the subspecialties. Uh, maybe GP not so much. Looking at these competition ratios, um, I mean, you saw the competition ratios as well, right? I mean, that's related to this because. Look at ST neurosurgery ST1 versus ST2. Like the the competition ratio goes from ST1 16 all the way down to like ST2 what 59 competition ratio. I mean that well, is so a this massive, is for neurosurgery. Massive. So neurosurgery yeah. ST1 is 16 mm. to 1, and then neurosurgery ST2. I, is I would love to see their portfolios. Like what do they have to put on their on their application to actually get it in? Must be amazing, um, right? <laughs> I, I don't know like publish a textbook yeah, at least I, I mean I just I can't believe the amount of work that goes into this like I, you know, I genuinely, when I applied for radiology, I chanced it. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to make it in. And I turned up with like a, literally like a few bits of paper that I'd kind of wrote like on the front to say, oh, this is something else and something else. And and then when I turned up, there were people with massive folders. We're talking massive. And I thought, there's no chance here. Like, forget this. I'm going to go do GP. But um, I, I guess the interview does count for a lot in radio. It did anyway in radiology. But I think like even going back further, I don't think I'd be able to get into medical school now. How about you, Thrusha? What, what grades did you get into get medical school? Do you remember? I got three A's. Are you? Oh, right, I didn't. <laughs> 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 okay. But I'm just saying, like, um, these days, there'd be no chance. There would be no chance. I didn't even look into get into med school. No, but that's after you have to do some kind of exam before you get your grades, don't you? You get, like, an offer, don't you? No, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, but as in, yeah, it depends on how good your interview is. But I remember like, um, well, for for UCL anyway, it, believe it or not, it used to be 1A, 2Bs and a C at AS level. Oh, that was yeah, it. Yeah. That's what you'd need to get into med school. 
you know and oh now you wouldn't even be considered yeah exactly for an interview exactly it's just completely it's gone completely nuts and i, I just mean, are the newer generations just getting smarter and smarter like what what is going on no, exams um, are getting easier that's what it is oh god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting about thing about that is that if you look at the competition ratio so like emergency medicine's four to one so it's like even though it's like brutal we know how horrible it is um four to one in terms of that ratio um it was interesting to see sexual and reproductive health st1 is 28 to 1 or 27.8 to 1 psych mm. was 3 wow. to 1 cause wow. training was 4 maybe to 1 maybe there isn't a lot of spots for that yeah um, mm. yeah true true the demand maybe is not as as but then as high. we had this tweet from nail nail jackson he said yes. the reason why aspirational score uh the reason why aspiration scores become a must-haves is because we all want semblance of control over our lives I don't want to have to move house just because I didn't get that third cycle of an audit out. I mean, that's the reality of it, isn't it? You know, if you want to have control of your life. mm. Exactly. I think that's quite a good response to, because, you know, some people kind of say, well, if people, you know, have the kind of those things in their life, then, you know, it's kind of optional. Well, to some people who want control over their life, they don't see it as optional. They want control. They want some direct, because, you know, it can be the difference between you being posted somewhere or being posted like 80 miles away, you know, from and from your family or whatever. Yeah, no, nowadays you just have to be an overachiever to to get anywhere because you know that everyone else you're competing against is is going to put everything they have in. You know, just doing the bare minimum does not cut it in. It's not it's not going to cut it again. Um, so if, if everyone else is doing all these extra things, that puts pressure on you to do the same thing. Um, and it, it just never stops and it, it's kind of this vicious cycle of just doing more and more and trying to achieve more uh, where at some point you just you know lose control over your entire life but this is the thing like you know if you look at the neurosurgery one where you've kind of got this massive increase in the competition ratio between st1 and st2 the people who complete st1 have to do something so they'll end up going to do a phds and all sorts of stuff and so then you just end up having this inadvertent situation where you can't, you've got a whole lot of people that have to do something and they'll end up adding to the CV. I mean, why not? You're going to go do this. You're going to go do that. And the whole thing just goes, gets more and more crazy. But I was, I've always felt that actually a lot of this is to do with trying to keep as many juniors in the hospital as possible, because in reality, the hospital really runs on juniors. It doesn't run so much of consultants. I mean, I, you know, being a consultant, I know how hard it is, how hard it is to get a consultant to do anything outside of the job plan. <laughs> you know, it's very, very difficult junior though you say look you got to go do this a part of your job go do it and they'll do it and so what you find a lot of hospitals run on junior work and so the more juniors you have the better and that's i think Thrusha mentioned imt3 the other day and i think that's another situation where they try to increase the number of juniors by elongating your training because once you're a consultant it's difficult to get you do anything beyond your consultant work i mean do you think that's what could be going on yeah, I mean, that's the cynical way, isn't it? I mean, it's always under the guise of like extra training and stuff, but that, that's why I happen to think. But speaking about kind of what is within the remit of, you know, what we do, there's mm. so there's an interesting tweet by Doc in the Head or at Heed Doc, and it, sa- it goes, mm. Surgeon does op. Surgeon tells patient time off needed. Get med three from GP. That's a sick note. GP says no. Our surgeon to issue as per contractual duty. Surgeon has secretary refuse. Refuse. <laughs> to let GP speak to them, doesn't answer emails. Oh my gosh. Patient complains about the GP practice, not the surgeon. WTF, what the frick? Oh my goodness. Who are these surgeons with secretaries? I would love to have a secretary. It's just not a thing where, oh. where I'm practicing. Wow. Surgeons, just 
do your damn paperwork. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do all of my stuff. If I say that a patient I've operated on needs time off to heal, um, you know, whether it's a week, three weeks, a month, two months, whatever, yeah. I, I, I have to do it myself. I don't right. even have the option of, of, you know, dumping this work on, on a secretary or a GP or, a, 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 you know, a, a trainee or junior. Hmm. We just have to do it ourselves. So I... I think they're the surgeons in the UK. Maybe they're just spoiled little brats. Um, <laughs> Wait a second, Senka. Senka. So who takes out your stitches then? Usually in the clinic. So whoever is in the clinic. Um, <laughs> oh, sometimes. Okay. Not, oh, okay. A lot of the times, like we we train patients how to do them themselves, and we give them a kit to take the sutures oh, yeah, out okay. themselves. If they don't want to, they yeah. come to the clinic or they arrange um, wherever they live to either go to their GP or um, uh, a local nurse uh, to get that removed. So they don't Are need you to. Yeah, exactly. Nurses remove sutures. Um, I oh, know, but so, the patient themselves, the patient themselves, you're saying patients themselves yeah, can remove them. We have, we have specially prepared kits for patients that we, we give them on, uh, during, on, on their discharge date and we teach them how to remove sutures if wow. they feel comfortable doing it. Wow. If not, they're always welcome to come to the clinic, have them removed, or, or if they wish, they can go to their GP or a nurse, uh, like a local community mm. nurse, to, to have them removed. Honestly, you can't even trust the British public to, like, you know, fill in a ballot properly. You know, they can't even put the cross in the right place. How are you going to get them to like, to get rid, get rid of a stitch? Oh my word, that's unbelievable. Well, all of a sudden you're going to have a wave of patients coming to the, the A&E because <laughs> the stitch's removal just went badly. Yeah, exactly. I just would not, I, know, I, don't, I can't imagine that going down particularly well. I, yeah, I wouldn't trust them yeah. with anything. This is in cases of, of not staples, obviously. Mm. Um, and staples, by the way, they're just used by orthopedic surgeons. I don't know anyone else who uses them. <laughs> Okay, I mean, talking about, I mean, look, let's say the patient's sitting there thinking, you know what, I can't, I can't get rid of these stitches. You know, I'm going to need some supervision, some, su you know, superior support, you know, from someone, someone who's my senior, i.e. a doctor. <laughs> I mean, is that, that's an appropriate response, right? But then what happens if we go up a level to when you've got a junior doctor that needs support and they don't quite get it? Do you remember that tweet that came in this week? Oh. about chest drains. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got a, I guess... I mean, the, the the tweet has been kind of um, deleted, um, so perhaps we won't kind of name that. Tweet. Kind of deleted. It's deleted. It's deleted. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, when I say kind of, there's still evidence of it. There's still replies mm. and kind of quote yeah, tweets. Yeah, right. I don't think people realize that if they make a thread yeah. and delete just the first tweet in the thread, everything below it still stays. Yeah. Um, I, so if you're deleting stuff, be thorough. Yes. Delete, delete your computer, delete mm. your phone, and everything. Yeah, to be sure. Get off Twitter. <laughs> delete your account. account. <laughs> delete, delete your account. Delete your email. Change your name. No, but this person, I think the reason they, they deleted it is because I think they were talking about a very recent interaction, and it was so just to kind of keep it kind of obscure. It was of a patient mm. who had uh, malignant pleural effusion, and there was an SHO who realised that the patient had uh, raising um, rising oxygen requirements, so they needed an urgent chest drain. Didn't feel confident mm. doing so. They asked the medical registrar on call overnight and the medical registrar also didn't feel confident doing so and then I think it sounds like they went around the houses right so they asked any mm. you said any consultant and a surgeon yeah they, they yeah any consultant and they said they were too busy yep and they asked the surgeon as well cardiothoracics and they were like no this is not my it's not my problem <laughs> and so but they didn't call the medical consultant which was interesting but in the mm. end it was the ACCP who helped by supervising the SHO doing it and doing the ultrasound which is awesome wow um, that's amazing 
Yes, and it gave rise to a quote tweet, which is still there, uh, which is by Dr. Ra. Um, and it says uh, something along the lines of, it's important that juniors are supported by their seniors and clear lines of escalation are key. These should be based on competency, not perceived hierarchy or artificial boundaries. Um, mm. And that's interesting because I guess if you call the um, on-call consultant overnight, they may not be necessarily confident putting a chest drain in either, unless they're a spiritual, of course. What do you guys think about all Right, because maybe the last one they've done was, you know, a decade ago. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only question is, are the ACCPs clear to the, to do the procedure or train others um, yeah. in, in this situation? Yeah. Because th- that 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 kind of medical um, like middle medical grade um, doesn't exist in Poland It's just doctors and nurses. There's nothing in between. There is no nursing pr- practitioners yeah. or physicians assistants. Um, so really, the only question is, um, is this person cleared to perform this procedure yeah. and mm. um are they clear to supervise a junior doctor in doing so you're also saying that a surgeon would do it overnight put their chest training yeah i mean in 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 my hospital certainly in, in poland as well um any anything being inserted into the chest is probably gonna end up um you know um with with the surgeon mm-hmm. i mean it's interesting you talk about competence because um i i remember when i was meant to be doing a drain into uh, doing like acidic drain or something in in interventional radiology consultant was too busy no one was w- willing to do it and then it turned out like one of the st1s used to be a surgeon for years mm-hmm. before came to radiology he made the right call he decided to go into the dark side and um <laughs> yeah and i was years above him and you know technically speaking he shouldn't be able to supervise me he's junior but actually he supervised me because he was he was far more competent at putting yeah, drains yeah, sure. in than I was. So, mm. yeah, I think that does make a difference. I mean, experience is experience. You can't you can't ignore it. You know, even if your even if your um, the grades suggest that suggest otherwise, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the bottom line is, what is the best for the patient in this situation, mm. right? Um, should we worry about you know titles and and hierarchy, or who is the the most competent, experienced person to do it. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's so that's so level-headed. I mean, look, yeah. she uh, she answered the, this kind of like, this line, which is pretty much like, <laughs> "Be kind." There's a patient <laughs> at the center of this. Oh my god! Yes. I will. Sick. You will never. You will never hear me say "be kind" unless it's in a very sarcastic way. <laughs> we got a surgeon on, and I, this is all I, we're getting. Jesus. I am the. I, I know. I, I cannot be heard saying "be kind." Um, they'll uh. take. They'll take away my my licensing. Yeah. yeah look, I mean. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're going to end up being supernumerary at this rate. Oh. And speaking of supernumerary, <laughs> <laughs> there was a tweet that was also uh, kind of deleted and um, by uh, JKB Medic. Um, and, you know, fair enough, deleted it. But I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we all did. Yeah, we all saw it. Um, it. It was along the theme of, I think he's got GP trainees that work with them and uh, GP, um, yeah, GP trainees that work with them. And because of supernumerary they all took annual leave during the Christmas break and he, his sentiment basically was you know what I know they're supernumerary but should they be able to take annual leave whenever they want imagine if everyone else could do that and they got a lot of heat for it and I feel like rightly so I mean you know the answer is in the question they're supernumerary I mean do you need to know much more about as to why they can get breaks and things different from you I mean they they made a life choice that's what they're doing that's their training Deal with it, bro. What do you guys think? Wouldn't it be amazing to just take time off whenever you wanted? Shouldn't that be? Shouldn't that be the aim? <laughs> like, isn't that good? Isn't that, it seems like a good thing. 
It doesn't seem why we. Can't. I mean, it's it's a, it's a choice they made. Hmm. Um, they they knew exactly what what they were going into by by choosing to be supernumerary. So, um, I don't see why why others would have issues with that. If if the work is not in any way affected by their absence, hmm. um, by all means, you have every right. Is that the implication, though? That, that it is the implication. I think, I think the tweet was saying, like, oh, if, if you know, um, hospital trainees or any trainees were to do this, like, the world, the the, the whole hospital work would, would collapse. Mm. Um, At some point, they've been deemed to be supernumerary. I do actually remember when I was in F1, there was a GP trainer that used to disappear every Thursday afternoon. And I used to, I actually used to, yeah, and I used to feel like, oh, mate, this is great, isn't it? Like, I'm, you know, I used to feel negative towards them. And I I kind of suspect not, I think everyone did feel a bit negative towards them. But actually, it's part of the training. And now I look back and maybe I was a little bit, I shouldn't have been like that. I shouldn't have felt that way because it was part of the training, it's part of their job. To, to be able to, you know, choose where they work and choose how they work, right? Mm. I mean, moving on from choosing how they work and where they work, there was another um, th- situation that's turned up and it's been another one of these lovely tabloids talking <laughs> about how doctors should be barred from jobs in richer areas, right? Um, there's a few implications in this, yeah. isn't there? Right. We need we need to ask Rosie, don't we? Because she's got the Times subscription. But you're basically referencing. <laughs> but you're referen- and Guardian. And, and the Guardian, Guardian yeah. you have a balance. Well listened, <laughs> well listened, Senka. Yeah. You are a fan. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. I never miss an episode. Uh, so this is. An- I will miss this one. Probably. <laughs> um, so this is referencing a Times article which says. Doctors set to be barred, which I think is an interesting choice of words, barred from jobs in richer areas. GPs would be barred from taking new jobs in affluent areas to force them to work in deprived towns under plans being considered by the government. And I think that's really mm. interesting, isn't it? I wish the government would make plans to address the, the deprived areas that in, involved, like, uh, actually. I mean, the, the whole notion of, of, you know, banning someone from living somewhere or ordering them to go to to work in a certain area is just so ridiculous i i, I don't even w- know where to start with this um mm. they're not enslaved to the government mm, yeah. um they are kind of like a a, a private business right that yeah. has contract with the nhs yeah so mm. it's, it's it works similar in in poland as well um so just like everyone else, they have the right to live and work wherever they want, where they have their family, where their kids go to school. Um, and maybe the government should be more worried about, um, you know, taking care of these in- health inequalities that caused this situation in the in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I read someone's comment. I can't remember now who, who wrote it, but it was an excellent point that if if the government wants more doctors working in deprived areas then they should encourage medical schools to alter their admission systems so they would recruit more doctors from deprived areas mm. um but as we know entrance into medical school and into training um is is kind of a uh you know a system that uh, relies on people having a lot of money or family members in medicine mm. um but, you know, also part of the implication is that, like, you know, people would want to work in rich areas over poor areas, what, because they make more money? I mean, that's one of the implications by saying that, that there is more money in rich areas. And also the implication might be that it's easier to work in these kind of places when actually, you know, like, 
you know, more money, more problems, man. Mm. I mean, genuinely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, look, I, I worked in some, look, for example. Yeah, golfer's elbow I, is endemic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, terrible. No, but genuinely, like, I remember I was doing old sand in uh, one of these central London hostels and it happened to be near somewhere quite, you know, um, well, it was near Kensington. And um, so the, the patients, one of the patients turned up and the, the person helping me, the radio, radiology department assistant, was bringing the patient in and they said, okay, the next patient is Mavis something, something. And then the, the, the patient's husband was like, how dare you call her Mavis? And then I was thinking, what unless just happened? He goes, this is Madame something. something. And she went, he went on, I was like, well, it's quite a long title here. And then he was like, oh, sorry, sir. He goes, you don't get to call me sir. And he started going about his title. I was like, whoa, okay, okay. So I turned around and I thought there's, there's, a, there's a few options here. First of all, I could stand up for my colleague who's obviously been talked down to yeah. or get out of there. So I got out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I went and found the consultant. I said, look, I'm really sorry, but this next patient will be quite difficult. I think you need to deal with them because uh, I won't be able to. And then they had to go in and, you know, had to <laughs> deal with this patient. And I just sat out. I went and got a coffee. Yeah, uh, being the nice guy that I am. But I mean, look, I, you know, that's, that's a difficult patient. That's not an easy patient to deal with. And I've had other patients who, in the middle of me doing a procedure, they've gone on about some, you know, you know some of the antiseptic stuff falling onto their shoe and how they're going to go to the next business meeting like that. And then I look, you know, it was just kind of like, this is crazy. Like, you need to relax. I'm trying to sort out your shoulder here. But then on the other end, you know, you've, you've had in more deprived areas, patients have got their own problems and ownership. I'm saying it's not easy in either place. Mm. So why is the implication in working either place is more attractive than others? I mean, I, I mean, uh, well, you're kind of touching upon class. There's like cl- a classism problem in the UK as well, right? Where, mm. and we are kind of constantly given this idea of like, yeah, and it's in the news always, isn't it, about benefit cheats and this and that and whatever. And mm. it always, and you're kind of, I, I think it's like a Tory thing, isn't it? Divide and conquer. And also just to make people hate the working class. And particularly amongst like, I mean, <laughs> I'm always bringing up race, but like racial divisions, they always kind of make it a get of, of like working class versus like, but actually the working class, like, uh, I don't know, should I be even talking about, is that being helpful talking about classes? I just feel like there's this kind of current of it here um, and um, this kind I think the implication that GPs are going to be forced to work in a deprived area, that being bad, was also just mm. a, a kind of summary of, of um, one of the many things that's wrong with the UK. I mean, I mean, I think this is an idea dead on arrival. I, I don't think they even have legal means yeah, exactly. to force someone to work. Like, I don't even know how this is a discussion. Um, you can't legally force someone to to move to a certain area and work there. Um, I think they say it because they it's a dog whistle, isn't it? They want people to think mm. a certain way. That's the only reason they put it out mm. there. They don't actually mean to do any of it, but they want people to think a certain way. Yeah, they're planting the idea, isn't it? They're planting the idea that GPs are a certain way. You know, that's that's the yeah. way they are. And so therefore, by okay. pushing that agenda, that means that they can push a later, less, less um Okay, so it's just agenda. a continuation of the anti-GP narrative, really. They, they know that it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, this particular thing's probably not going to go anywhere. That's our tin pot yeah. hats, anyway. Who knows? It could be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The voices, the voices. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Team GP. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Like, so, I mean, we've uh, there's. I mean, should we move on to? I mean, we've we've asked Senka to try and defend herself, but I do. I, I always like to put Thrusha into a bit of a back foot when I can. <laughs> Thrusha, can you defend your man? Can you defend your man for turning up on GBBs or whatever oh, yeah. it's called? Well, oh my donuts. Goodness. Uh, no, he went full on anti-vax, didn't he? Well, the issue, one mm. issue that I have now is that my kindred spirit, he's blocked me. So now, how can I follow his progress? <laughs> how can I support him and elevate him and cherish him? He has him? not blocked me. I'm clearly not important enough. Oh, he hasn't blocked me or either. Or influential enough. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till he hears this podcast. Yeah. I'm getting blocked. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you know, the link that we put in this, uh, so it's by uh, Se- Senka? 
What does she say? Interesting. Oh my god, he's an anti-vaxxer now. Uh, embarrassed mm. face, scotch face, and he's. I LGBT. wish he would just stick to hating donuts. I mean, that was the the least harmful thing um, in in this whole thing. Debatable. I just wish he would he would, <laughs> he would just keep on hating donuts. Um, but yeah, the whole anti-vax stands. It's it's. I mean, kind of predictable in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seen a lot of these, you know. Um, former clinicians, still doctors, mm. um, you know, peddle this, these, these, you know, theories and COVID myths and misinformation, and they always end up um, in the in the vaccine hesitant group somehow. Mm. Um, so in, in a way, it's it's not a surprise, but still very disappointing. But you know, like um, for me anyway, watching this whole. Malhotra thing. It's like, you know, when you're watching Jackass, do you remember that show? I think they're mm. going to come back again, which I think they're a bit old for Are me. They? they should stop doing that. Yeah, I think yeah. they come back for a number four. But anyway, like, you know, you know when you've got Steve-O and he's like, listen, everyone, I'm going to go into this toilet. We're going to flip it upside down. It's full of all this stuff. And you're thinking, I know that is going to happen. I know this is going to be a bad idea. I don't want to see it happen. I just don't want to. And that's what I feel about, you know, your, your man Donut Boy. You kind of know where he's going to go, but it's still very painful to watch it kind of come about like you just know that you know he's going to walk into that loo he's going to turn upside down roll himself around and a whole lot of poo and come out and say welcome to the show everyone i am now anti-vax and that's pretty much what he's doing and you know the fact that he did it on gb news just tells you that he knows exactly what he's doing he knows what his audience is who is listening Mm. um and he was just saying you know the things that they want to hear yeah um Mm. and it was it was also implying that he was also implying that the fact if you're healthy and fit and you live a certain lifestyle and have a certain diet your mm. risk of severe covid is is going to be very minimal and you're going to go through it like you go through flu mm. um so it's uh it's just very yucky yucky all over yeah it's just bonkers isn't it because like there's there's i mean that's not even without going into the fact that there have been people who have been very fit and healthy who have been affected but also mm. long covid and stuff and that we just simply don't know enough about that and there are people who've been completely oh, taken yeah. flat out by that and like and they just go oh i feel like healthy and whatever and it's like ugh, jesus what um, but you know what's mm. interesting like the the uk regulatory body for 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 doctors the gmc i personally know people who have reported him to the gmc oh, mm. oh wow and Gee. the gmc yeah the gmc is, is you know being completely silent on this issue, um, mm. he's arguably doing more harm than than virtually anyone that's been reported recently to the GMC for and any kind of you know yeah. internet thing mm-hmm. or spats. Um, yeah. And you know they're just not doing anything about it. We're calling you out, GMC. We are. I mean, what the hell are you doing? He's still yeah. But I mean, similarly, there is another person who I don't know if I should mention his name. Uh, you, you were saying about. Okay, let, let's just say he. Let, okay, let's say um, you know uh, Mahotra is Johnny Knoxville, and we've got Stevo, don't we? Stevo, but his name is. <laughs> 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 he's a, okay, so what does Stevo say? What Stevo say? Stevo, he's like he's just he compares like the vaccines to thalidomide. Um, and, oh my god! Uh, I just I don't. I mean that that kind of tells you what what his age is and what generation yeah. he's coming from. Um, yeah, it's true. When it's thalidomide true. Was, was still a, a thing. 
I love his like phrase as some kind of gotcha, like, oh, yeah, like, I bet he's like, he's sitting on the toilet one day and he's just doing a dump and he's like, you know what? That's a great idea. Like, that's a great idea. I'm going to make a video in my wide, expansive garden and talk about it. Like, <laughs> and he's so smug, like, mm, like my mom You know, she could put a script and like practice in front of the mirror for yeah, like can you imagine? a week. <laughs> yeah, he's like brushing his teeth and go, hmm, but I think it is. Like, oh, that's really clever. Like, oh, for God's sake. And also like showing off his lovely, large garden. Yeah. Um, is he in London? Yeah. I don't know. Is he in London? I don't know. Mm. I, I also okay. feel uneasy about this person because I mean they've got the they've got the number two thousand and sixteen in their in their user profile. That name. person is still a pr- uh, practicing surgeon. So oh really? Yeah. I mean two thousand and sixteen. You look a bit older than that. Practicing. Mate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you know. It's, yeah. Exactly. Oh. So not some like crazy old person like barking at the moon. This is like you know uh, someone who's still practicing, like still sees patients and stuff. I bet he's vaccinated himself. Yeah, of course. I mean, that kind of brings us on to that, the, the new thing that's going on about how you have to be vaccinated to work in the NHS. That's been coming about this week, uh, hasn't yeah, it? Where, yeah. you know, oh, it's yeah. become a, a big deal because people, some people are not happy that they, you know, I'm working in healthcare. Why do I need to be vaccinated? It's not my, it's not something I want to do. And even, even Glaukenflecken did a taking the mick of a nurse from America who was being escorted out oh, for yeah, not being vaccinated, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, personally, I feel as though if you're going to be working with vulnerable people, you should, you know, obviously do the best you can to try and protect the vulnerable people, which, you know, as far as evidence shows, is to get vaccinated, despite yeah. what Mahatra says. I mean, yeah. we had to do that to get into med school, didn't we? We had to prove that we didn't have hep B and HIV. Mm. Remember we had to, oh, yeah. yeah. It seems like a no-brainer that if you're going to work in the hospital with vulnerable and very sick people, you want to protect them because yeah. um, I mean, there there have been before we had the vaccine so many people got infections just being in the hospital yeah. and, and, and died as a result uh, of just you know being physically in the proximity of, of COVID patients so why would we want to go back to that exactly um, and then one of the responses I've seen is they've said oh it doesn't affect transmission it's like well mate if you go off sick with COVID then you're not going to be treating them anyway so like you know it works either oh, way this is what Malhotra was saying that there is data that proves that vaccines do not cut transmission rates which is completely bogus I have no idea where he's getting this and he said that he got the first two shots only because he thought he was protecting others and it was cutting down transmission and and now he feels that it was it was kind of a lie mm. um in a way he is protecting others because he doesn't do any nhs work does he He just kind of sits at home and like, <laughs> his Patreon, so he's isolating by and he's also kind of one of these people who kind of obviously reads between the lines but in between by reading between the lines he kind of changes the words and puts them together in whatever form he wants and then comes out with his own conclusion mm. i'm not sure the guy does any sort of reading about anything really. i don't understand why the mainstream media keep inviting him on and i'm not saying gb news is the mainstream media far from it but I, I often see him on, on BBC, on Sky. Why do these media keep inviting him on? Do they like not do their research? It's, no, no, it's, to, it's topical. I mean, look, you know, there are all those photos. There was all that outrage about Boris Johnson walking through a hospital without wearing a mask. That was a calculated decision. Just like Trump, you know, when he tore off his mask. Boris Johnson not wearing a mask. It was so that they can pander to those people who kind of don't He's want He's pandering to his voters, yeah. exactly. Mm. So, that, you know, people yeah. lap that crap up don't they that's why honestly i mean look i mean try watching i mean being a muslim person when something something goes down 
they get the craziest loon on the planet to turn up and it's like <laughs> got completely you know yeah exactly he's like do the hook like fly around kill all kill all infidels and i'm like bro why can't you just find a normal person yeah i mean i know pretty normal people yeah why did we get that guy on you know but i think they're just some people the media like you know and i think he's clearly one of those kind of people but i mean coming back to um you know getting vaccinated as a health worker someone who is a friend of yours senka um shiny doc uh, i was it irish aisha uh, says, can I ask about care home residents whose relatives have um, power of attorney and refuse to let the elderly parents be vaccinated? What actually happens in this situation when you've got power of attorney? Are they looking out for their for their families when um, when they say, I don't want my mum to be vaccinated? Yeah, well, I I can I can speak for what would happen in in Poland in this case. Um, and I've I've seen cases like this happen, but for, for not for vaccination reasons, but for different reasons, where you know family would not agree to a life-saving surgery or something like that. Mm. Um, the hospital administration or the hospital lawyers they always can bring this case to the court and um, have the court decide in the best interest of the patient to you know undergo the procedure or in this case um, be vaccinated um, there is legal means to do it I think we should use them um, I don't think there is going to be a lot of these cases out there um, mm. I, I don't know do you think there's there's many of these cases where family members are not allowing their I hope not. I elderly hope not. relatives from being vaccinated I genuinely hope not but I mean you heard about it. you know when I um, did A&E back in the day I remember you know around winter time I did notice a lot of grannies turning mm. up and then someone jokingly said to me oh this, this is called granny dumping in Iran. we're going to get a lot of this yeah where we're going to get a lot mm. of families dumping their grandparents and I do remember at least two occasions when um, the family members took me outside and they said to me, Doc, when can we put them into a home? And I was like, it's not my decision to make, you know. And then some of them were really pushing the idea that, you know, are, are we done now? Can we, you know, I don't think this, this my dad keeps coming in, they're not getting better. Can we just, I mean, essentially they're implying that maybe we should go palliative on this. And I was a bit like, what is your motivation behind this? And so I think those are one of the occasions when I realized that um, not all family get along and not all family want the best for each other. Right. And so if someone has got that inclination to maybe not do what we think would be best for that patient, then maybe this would be prime opportunity. I've got power eternity. Don't give them vaccine. Right. Um, it happens. Uh, but maybe, maybe I, I'd like to think it's rare, but um, I definitely saw it on, on a personal level doing, yeah, that, doing that job. Yeah. I mean, those kind of challenging conversations leads on quite nicely to another tweet that has also since been deleted. We're talking about so much stuff that's been deleted. Oh, my God. Like dragging <laughs> them up. up. With... Yeah, exactly. Well, I think people are wisening up. They're like, I don't want to be on that podcast. Yeah, I exactly. delete my, my tweet prior to turning up. What yeah. happened to doubling down? <laughs> yeah. What happened to doubling down? I know. Bring it back. Bring We're it watching back. you. Yeah. We're always watching. <laughs> but um, so there was a tweet that was on DNA CPR, wasn't there? And it was kind of mm. one of those kind of pithy tweets, which was along the lines of, if you make someone not for ESOS, but then still say that they're for ITU, then you don't know what DNA CPR is about. Um, mm. Which, to be fair, was deleted within maybe an hour or two because it got, it got a fairly <laughs> phenomenal response. Um, but yeah. the king the king came at him, so obviously he was like, actually, wait, you're right. Bow to mm. king. Uh, His is the last word. Exactly. So I read out, so Always. the king, by that I mean Dr. Philip Lee, uh, Dr. Philip Lee one. Uh, I've done this before, and it has been recommended as part of a clinical decision support group, including ICU physicians and palliative care. Often it's due to extremely challenging discussions and negotiations with family members slash patients. Whilst on paper slash 
social media. It's easy to say we are not going to provide treatment that is not indicated, but real life is often not so black and white. It can cause more harm to force through this decision, causing more conflict and strife in what should be a peaceful time at end of life. Which is quite nice. Mm. He's got away with words, this man, doesn't he? He, does. he really does. That's yeah. why the nice series never peaceful. Uh, yeah, it's, these these de- these decisions are difficult, but I think sometimes people don't realise like the difficult decisions that are made by multiple people, having you know, generally speaking, would have had a discussion about what is appropriate and what's not appropriate for care, and obviously the knee jerk reaction to a lot of this, you know, from patients' families and stuff, can be that oh, you haven't thought this through, but actually being health professionals you have sorted this through and you've had multiple disciplinary meetings and you've come to a conclusion with everyone involved that this is the appropriate line of care right i mean maybe people don't realize because we've talked about this before like a lot of the time people don't realize the amount of work that goes behind the scenes you know and we see that with gp people think oh you gotta be face to face but what about the paperwork who's gonna do all that and when a doctor making decisions uh, on end of life care especially when it's such a big gravity you know such an amount of gravity behind a decision like that they don't realize the amount of thought that's gone behind it and the amount of discussion that's probably gone uh behind it um but you know like um, there are some things that probably aren't worth discussing um all that much and i think we spoke about a um unfortunate incident that happened with a cricketer last week where they're basically uh, being called a packy and apartha did this you know he you know he felt quite strongly about this path car and uh, he tweeted about it and he suddenly started getting messages from people trying to discuss um the idea that <sighs> The word packy is actually not that bad and you guys are just taking it too seriously. Mm. Um, I've got to read out this response because it made me rage. The first line, I have to respectfully disagree, boss. It's the use of the term boss that made me just... Because it's always it's always done patronisingly. It's always done to, as if it's done like in a way where they think they're kind of elevating you and making you feel like you're in charge. But actually what they're going to do is be you're, asked you to do something. They're you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. And, and so this is from a consultant. And he goes, just because a term may hurt someone's feelings doesn't mean that someone in power can dictate what constitutes allowable speech. I mean, that sentence is a right roller coaster, mate. What are you on about? Uh, he goes, mm. most terms that are used in a pejorative manner are not intrinsically racist. Oh, good one the intent oh, and underlying disposition so. may well be <laughs> what but the terms hmm. those uh, themselves self, seldom are a bit that's a bit like saying guns don't kill people rappers do or something i don't know it just I seems mean, like I a- think we, can, we can safely we can safely guess the complexion of of the person <laughs> writing this right um, i mean when, when it comes to these terms that are racial slurs because that's that's what they are they're no they're not banter or you know friendly chat um the really the only people we should be listening to um, about how these terms make them feel is is the people who are described using these terms, not not white people who think you know or they believe they know what the other person feels or should feel. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's another one of those like playing devil's advocate. Just yeah. don't do it. Um, yeah, just it's just not listen. an intellectual exercise. No. One of the things I thought was kind of, I found it shocking because I guess I kind of always associate those kind of um, opinions with idiots. But then, and so then when you kind of see like a consultant, you're like, oh, but this is like an educated person. Or maybe that just shows my own biases and stuff. And they were posting under their full name. Yeah, exactly. Mm. On LinkedIn. But the thing is, is that, mm. and also like it always gets me, always, it really floors me if I see like a young person being racist because I'm always like, oh, but you know, like the next generation will be better. 
and then you see that you see it coming out of a young person and it always just floors me i remember seeing like a racist tweet and sending it to Salva, being like oh my god i'm so enraged by this and he was like mate it's everywhere i'm like oh god mm. but i mean look maybe maybe part of it is that you know why people feel like they're you know they're being victimized and you know thank thankfully in basingstoke someone decided to stick up some posters saying it's okay to be white reminding no. you it's okay yeah. to be white yeah. I mean, I mean, I s- that was quite funny, wasn't it? What do you What do you think? When you, what does that does it? How does that make you feel? Do you feel? Are you okay? What, was this a prank in the end, or was this for real? <laughs> no, it's real. It's real. It was, it was a trend. It's a trending hashtag. It's okay to be white. And you know, to be honest, like it is okay to be white. Like when people say that, of course it is. I'm like, whatever. Uh, let's think of the poor white people. Yeah. Are they okay? I mean. I'm okay. going to think of the poor white people who are becoming a minority, please. Well, I think what's <laughs> happening, I feel like they're saying that because they want people of color to get angry. And then they'd be like, well, you say black lives matter. And then they come back with that or something. So I feel like that's why they say it. But I'm like, yeah, okay, mate, it's okay to be white. It's okay, but cool. Like, nobody's. You know what? I think my favorite bit of this BBC article was resident Priya Brown. <laughs> I mean, you know, not Made only did they find a brown person, the surname was Brown. I mean, you yeah. can't make this up. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Priya Brown. I doubt you listen, but you've got a lovely name, but it just happened to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just absolutely perfect for this particular story, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing you wonder isn't it it's as if like you know when these stories happen it's like what was that other guy that when there was uh, I think he was like his name was like Peter Can or something like a petrol can or something like that you know And he was talking when about Phil McCann. It was Phil McCann. <laughs> yeah, Phil McCann. Yeah, honestly, good. like sometimes the names are just brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, you just want because when you get these crazy stories, you just think that that must be fake. And you know, there's another one of these stories that I thought could have, you know, must be fake was the one that where there was a lady kicking a horse. You know, oh she has a name, kick my horse. Is that what it is? I mean, what on earth is going on there? Yeah, I've had my you know bit of a jokey thing about dogs, but I mean seriously, yeah, yeah. no one's kicking a dog on purpose. I wish that horse kicked her back. Yeah, Oof, yeah, I, yeah. I have seen videos yeah, like that. And they're like amazing but like this person i guess is going to come from a particular type of person because she was on a she was on a hunt as well wasn't she she's on a fox hunt so it's obviously like she's obviously used to riding horses right so i don't i don't like you would think she loves horses yeah no yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, I, you know, I was going to tweet the other day and I was a bit worried whether I should or shouldn't because I've seen a fair few uh, horse injuries and I was going to say, like, you know, horses should be banned along with trampolines. Oh. And I thought maybe I'll get a lot of grief. I've done the dog thing. Maybe I'll leave horses alone. But uh, yeah, you know, like this person clearly, you know, there was this BBC video that popped up with this person, this lady kicking and punching a horse. It was so oh, it's difficult to watch. You almost feel like you wish it wasn't real. Like you yeah. really, really wish so it mean. wasn't real because, it, you know, I it's so, so mean. Who- yeah, I think there's there's something in particular with people who um, practice animal cruelty or, or caught, you know, being cruel towards animals. There is something about their their character and and you know their their nature that is particularly cruel and makes you wonder how those people behave towards others who are perceived to have less power than they do, who are smaller, Absolutely. weaker. You know, how, how is she with children, for instance? Exactly. You know, what, I mean, what kind of, mm, yeah, yeah. That, that was the first thing that I thought. I was like, yeah. does she does she have children, you know? Yeah. Does well, she she's a private school teacher. Way? She's yeah. a teacher. 
Oh, oh no! Yeah. Is she really? Yeah, so she's oh, been suspended no, this now. Is, this is just a whole other level of awful. Mate, and that's what oh. she's been caught doing. Imagine what she does like behind the scenes, right? Yeah? Mm. <laughs> oh up. my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's messed up. Gosh. That is messed up. Yeah. I mean, speaking of teachers, there was another tweet about teachers, wasn't there? That came oh, up yeah. about... Um, so this was, yeah. this was a tweet about a TikTok video, oh, subversive, um, where they were... <laughs> so the, the TikTok video was about how this teacher in America disciplines or kind of takes away um, mobile phones from the student and it's it, the kind of tweet in itself kind of references the manner in which she does it so the tweet is by at written by hannah and it says there were so many young white women teachers like this this especially in black schools who were passive aggressive and just generally disconnected about the unique needs of black students even worse if they were tfa and one of the other kind of uh, tweets within this kind of thread mentions about how the behavior of the teacher almost is a coded way of um, giving children experience of what it's like being disciplined by the police. And the, and mm. uh, you had an interesting insight on that, didn't you, Sanka? I mean, I think we, we can safely say this was in the States, right? Because yeah. it sounds like something that would happen in the States. Uh, mm. w- whatever happened to if, if a student or a pupil is misbehaving, you call their parents first? Like, yeah. why do we need to traumatize children with, you know, um, calling cops on them. It, it just seems like a disproportionate reaction to something that was completely benign, like not wanting to give up their phone. Um, I, I I can't imagine a situation anywhere in, in, in Europe, to be honest, where um, a police, police officers would be called on a child in classroom if it was, unless it was something, you know, violent. Mm. Um, so this, this happens in the States a lot where we're, you know, cops are being called for for the most ridiculous things, and you know, you hear stories of, of children, teenagers being arrested, or you know, black boys being shot because you know they had a, a toy gun, or you know, they yeah. they were mm. walking down the street wearing a hoodie. Where it's like, and in the media, a lot of these children are you know portrayed as young adults. Um, they're still children, you know, yeah. someone 12, 13, 14 is, yeah, is a child still. Um, but, but in the media, they're, they're always being talked about as, as, as adults. If, if this is a case of, of kids who are, you know, um, of color. Um, and, and I, I, I kind of wonder if, if in this situation as well, this, this student was a student of color. Uh, or someone mm. that the teacher had issues with before. I mean, do you remember a while ago, I think there was this young young kid who came into school because he was quite smart, he'd built a clock. <laughs> and then the teacher thought he was a bomb because uh, he's a young Muslim kid. And then oh, he got yeah, pulled up. Do and, yeah, yeah, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, where was that? Yeah, yeah. Don't you remember that? It was years ago. And um, yeah, a lot of people got, you know, obviously supported him and, you know, that's out of order what happened. But yeah, they, they actually brought the anti-terrorist police in because they thought he'd walked into school with a bomb. But was it in the UK? The clock. It was like a, no, no, it was, a, it was a, in America. It was in yeah, this was in the States. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, it does make me, it does make me wonder, I mean, what you're saying, um, Senkara, because, like, I, obviously me being a Muslim guy, um, you know, going on the plane can always be a bit of an experience. And uh, actually, uh, and I do worry about what my children will feel about, you know, authorities and people in authority as they grow up, because um, 
uh, recently I was on, I was going to go to, I think it was Chicago actually on a conference and um, obviously randomly, randomly, um, <laughs> we, my, my, my wife, me and my kids were, you know, chosen to get searched. And this is the point of where you're about to enter the, uh, you know, in that kind of waiting area just before going to the airplane. So it's a bit embarrassing, you know, in front of everyone. And so clearly they didn't see the ages of the people. So they searched me, they searched my wife and they're like, okay, where is, um, you know, such and such Alaska? And I was like, my daughter, she's like three months old, man. <laughs> And they're like, oh, well, she's been randomly, she's been randomly chosen to be searched. I was like, you, you really want to search? So I had to literally hold her up and they patted her down and the kid was just screaming and screaming because, you know, random people with gloves on looking scary, patting her down. I know, and I was like, man, she's a child. Like, you know, what's she going to think now? Every time, you know, we go on the plane, we're going to be searched like this. And I wish it was the first time, but it's happened before it's happened again where I've been randomly chosen I mean through show we had a situation didn't we together we did. when we were traveling yeah. yeah well I guess it wasn't that long after I think there was like some it was a there were some attacks in Lo- in London weren't there where like some some people who'd gone on like elective I think they, they were medical mm. students and they'd gone to Australia mm. to like as a like um, I don't know, like a team building exercise. And lo and behold, there were four brown guys who are medical students and we'd been in Australia <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we were like wearing our New Zealand tops, but they're all the youth sizes because we weren't quite big enough for the oh, yeah, uh, like adult enough, yeah. sizes. And you know, so like on the, yeah. And we all got separated, didn't we? And I remember it was kind of, hmm. it was kind of scary. Like, you know, we'd get to the front of the line and then uh, one of you would go in one direction and then someone would be leading it. And I'd be like, oh, is it going to be me? Oh yeah, me too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And I'd be like, thinking, at that time, you know, I was kind of like young and being like, but I love the West, you know, when you get, and I remember being interviewed and they were asking me like these really random questions. Like, what are your career aspirations? I'm like, is this like an interview or is this like this? It just felt really weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just felt really strange. Like, what has that got to do with anything? I like, I don't know. And then mm. I was like, oh shit, are they trying to figure out if I'm like really a medical student or not? And I was like talking about pediatrics. Like, oh, I'm not really sure if like I want to do peds or not. And I'm like going off on one because I just didn't feel, I didn't, well, it, it felt weird. It felt weird and it felt inconvenient, but like it, it was just kind of a novel experience. But I remember like when we all came out, it's one of the few times ever where I've seen Imran angry. <laughs> And I think it's it's a common like I'm, I don't Imran doesn't get angry right guys like you know I mean he, pretty much what you see on the podcast is pretty much what he's like in real life right nothing really pleases him <laughs> gives everyone the benefit of the doubt but at that point very nice Imran was mad he was angry and he was like so angry like but you know like not angry like you know kind of stompy feet but angry like he can't make eye contact with anyone he's just like oh, head down and you could tell he just wanted to get out of there he'd had enough he'd had a long flight loads of stopovers whatever and so but then to add insult to injury then they decided to go through all of our bags and Imran's had to Imran had to wait till last and they ask Imran so Imran do you have anything in the suitcase that you need to tell us about and Imran's like no like one word answer no do you, and then he, the person runs through a list, including money, and Imran says, no. And of course, they open the bag, and guess what's at the top of the bag? A whole load of bunch of notes. <laughs> notes everywhere, just like, coming out of the bag. And oh, like, honestly, great. Yeah, so Great, so that's... money. <laughs> Literally. So then we're like, great. We were so angry with you in the in the attack. We were all angry with you at that point because they were like, great. I know, I mean, so it was crazy. Right. I mean, literally all these notes flew out and then, and then I was like, look, I know, I know what it looks like. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the quantity of money that's sitting there is not the quantity of money that needs to be declared. So just so you know, and they actually started right. going through right. it and started going, you know, opening it up. Yeah. It was balmy. Honestly, they even went through my, you know, they, they started searching me and going through my pockets. They'll use tissues. Like I'd, I'd blown my nose in them and they'll open them up to make sure there's nothing in them. I'm like, dude, like where are you going to stop with this? Clearly this was pre-COVID. 
You know, you already feel like you're on the back foot. You, you already worry that you might say the wrong thing. When they, they literally will ask you, are you involved with any sort of terrorism? And you think, no, am I? Am I? I mean, I don't think so, I am. You start doubting yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. have I ever said anything yeah. online? Do they have something on me? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The dog group We're or something that come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The dog group. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> videos of your kicking dogs no that was uh, that's what we're on the BBC that website that's what we're but <laughs> like can you imagine yeah. as like a black person if you got if you got pulled over for a traffic stop in the states like what they what must go through their minds oh man oh man like, I'll be yeah whole yeah. next level this of is it shit, yeah it? this is it isn't um, it um Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, there's a there's a fair bit of race. I mean, there was something else, and we're talking about racism, but there was also racism in academia. I mean, yeah. do you see that? I mean, there's a bit of a thread from Shivani, who I mean, I do yeah. feel like you know, I'm so glad that she exists and that she's so willing to put a voice out there and you know keep talking about it, right? Yeah. And she was talking about this, right? I mean, yeah, you guys she, want to summarize? Quite yeah, although she used the word, she used an imaginary name, Tarquin, which I think was, you know she could have done better with that. But the, so she said <laughs> back in her junior doctor days. She did a research project with an academic consultant, and uh, one day he asks uh, to borrow her shoes on her findings, her research findings, and he'd been invited to give a presentation, and so wanted to show her results and wanted to acknowledge acknowledge her, and then but then he went on and took another trainee with him, a white trainee, and um, mm. she basically he said he. So um, he could see, like, on her face that, like, this was a cause of disappointment. And he said, it was a really hard right. decision for me, apparently genuinely looking perturbed. And he goes, this medical society is a bit of a old boys club meeting. Frankly, some of the members are probably a bit racist. I don't want you to feel awkward. But really, in saying that, he said an awful lot about himself, isn't it? So... Um, mm. Sad. to even pan to that kind of thing isn't it it's, it's sad isn't it it's very very sad that that kind of thing gets panned mm. to like that it wasn't even that long ago you would you would think that this is not an issue anymore but clearly it's still very it's much life. pervasive um mm. yeah I mean, talking about something that didn't happen not so long ago uh, is Malala getting married. Uh, yeah. We all saw that, didn't we? And there was a bit of reaction to to that, which gained a lot of traction. Mm. I'm going to read this one out. Um, Taslima Nasreen, uh, quite shocked to learn Malala married a Pakistani guy. Uh, she is only 24. I thought she went to Oxford University for study. She would fall in love with a handsome, progressive English man at Oxford and then think of marrying not before the age of 30, but dot, dot. Yeah, so we should, we should contextualize 
realize this because I don't know if people who don't know who Tazlima Nazreen is, they might think it's just some random auntie. But it's like she's mm. apparently so her bio says author, secular humanist, feminist, human rights defender, physician. Mm. Coming out with this, mm. um, three hundred sixty-one thousand followers. followers. That's Mate. not a small account. Quite by an any authority. Means. Yeah, I quite mean, an authority. There's a few, a few things, right? So I mean, there's some internalized racism here, right? Because mm. she's basically saying, but she married this Taslim. So one of the kind of replies, which is really interesting, shows a picture of her with her husband, where she's married to another Asian fellow. Um, mm. And so, <laughs> like, it just seems kind of funny that why should why did Malala? Why would it have been better? I, I think she may be implying that uh, Malala was kind of forced into that marriage oh, that it wasn't exactly her choice mm, mm. um which is it's very misogynistic in itself mm. um and also very very racist too yeah. um to think that she comes from from a family that would not allow her to marry outside her race or religion yeah. um it, it's just so full of assumptions that i mean it's, it's ridiculous have you seen the pictures of this guy that she married Oh uh, my yeah. god, yes. He's, he's gorgeous, gorgeous, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, no, you see a picture and you're like, no, I have no further questions, Your Honor. Like, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. makes yeah. sense. Checks out, mate. <laughs> she did great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she did good. Like, what? Yeah. No more but, questions. But I mean, it's just amazing to think that. Like, because I, I often find this, like, um, you know, the the Western media often tries to paint anything of, you know, Asian subcontinent, you know, the African subcontinent as being backwards. Like whatever they do is backwards. And it's kind of always like that, you know, and where this person, you know, like if we, so what she married someone at 24 and so what she married someone that happens to be the same country that she, she originates from. Like, is that really that big a deal? If you replace the A, I mean that just where she's from with something else. If I said this person was from Poland and married someone from Poland, would that be a big deal? Would you say that's backwards? At 24, it's like really no yeah, big deal. It's no big deal. I mean, right? It's almost like she does not want to believe that this was her choice. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, the, it's very analogous to, um, you know, hijab wearing. Mm -hmm. That there are really women who are feminists, who are independent, who choose to wear a hijab. Mm. And, and they love it. Mm. But for some, for some reason, you know, non-Muslim, non some non-Muslim people just can't believe that a woman would want to choose to wear a hijab mm. uh, and they just can't accept it that there must be something that someone is forcing them to do it yeah. um, which in itself whereas it's, it's completely bogus yeah. which in itself yeah, I mean, they, is it's, kind it's, of anti-feminist isn't it this, like, this, yeah. this is feminism choosing for yourself what you want to wear uh, who you want to marry if you want to shave your legs or not mm. you know it's 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 all about that yeah. um I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, I remember you know, most times when I show a picture of my wife to someone, they, they, they kind of, I know what the next question is. Did you make her wear it? And I've called people up on yeah, there and they're exactly. like, yeah, did you? And genuinely, sometimes I've got to think about things. I think the other day we were walking around and we had lots of shopping. And then my wife was holding more bags than me. I think I might have even only had one. And I thought, I better take some bags, you know, by the way, just because otherwise people are going to think that, you know, I'm forcing you to, to you know, <laughs> carry all this stuff and do all the work, you know. It thinks like that. Like, I think yeah. one time she was like, uh, you know, something on your shoe and she tried to wipe it off. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm -hmm. Don't you don't need to wipe off my shoe We're in front yeah, yeah. of lots of people. I don't want people to make look at me and you and think yeah. that's what's going down, do you, not, you know. Do you not play the game with all yeah. the shopping bags where you try and see how many you can get, like, into all your fingers? Is it a farmer's walk? Isn't that what they yeah, call exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. That, that particular workout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything's a yeah. workout. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. You actually even have to think about these things, you know? 
One of the other threads I thought was really interesting was one, but you said it's done the rounds and I'm ashamed to say I've never seen this before. So I thought it was interesting. And it was by Adam Lawton, who's a who. I think he's one of those guys I see on Twitter and he's like, I want him to be my friend, like in real life. Um, uh, he he tweeted saying he's a pediatrician. He is, yes, I love them. Uh, the risk of iatrogenic harm from medicalizing the birthing process eclipses this risk by simply by a simply phenomenal margin. But Med Twitter isn't ready to hear this narrative, so please pile on below in the comments. And he's, <laughs> and he's talking, <laughs> and I guess it he's encouraging crime. Yeah, he's encouraging crime. This guy, What's I know yeah, it didn't yeah, happen though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I saw pylon and I was like, right, okay, I'm on. He does make a good point. Um, obstetrics obviously is not is not my field of, of expertise, but I I have heard that there is quite a lot of data out there showing that home births are perfectly fine and safe options for um, women who who have non complicated pregnancies or who are not at a risk of of you know pathology in, in pregnancy, and it it does benefit everyone to keep these women out of hospitals especially like in this in the last couple of years during the pandemic um and i mean there's there's a lot of there is a lot of um um body of 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 you know um research done on this um that i've just i haven't researched it myself or i haven't really dug deep into this but um i do hear it quite a lot uh, in the last maybe decade or so and uk was one of the um, the countries that was really pushing for for home births in non-complicated pregnancies, um, and I'm I'm not sure if if because of the the bias of someone who is a pediatrician in the hospital, they see a lot of complications. Yeah. So they they probably think that you know pregnant deliveries are more complicated than wrong, than they? they than they they normally are because they usually see things that do go wrong yeah, absolutely. um yeah maybe we're also overdoing you know these things in the hospitals with with normal deliveries um because iatrogenic um injuries is certainly a thing yeah, I mean, it's a medicalizing. I mean, I remember this coming up in med school, actually, the medicalizing what is actually a natural, natural thing to happen. But then I think, I mean, I know when we were having um, our kids, uh, in-laws, everyone was on my case to make sure it happened in hospital with a doctor. They don't want to have, you know, um, they don't want to have midwives and all that kind of thing. And it was just more of a, um, and I, I knew it was going to be fine, but they, they were very insistent. But it was more of a, a personal feeling of, um, being looked after mm -hmm. yeah security just knowing that they've got the right the right name the right kind of little name in front of the per, you know the person looking after even though actually in reality the job was going to be the same job you know I just um, yeah we probably medicalized medicalized that a fair bit um, but talking about names I think uh, we had a, um, a tweet um, do consultants outside of emergency medicine find trainees that haven't met that they haven't met emailing and dressing them by their first name I'm not going to pass comment on whether first names should be used or not. Just curious to know if a culture has really changed or emergency medicine are just seen as different to other sub, uh, other specialties. So, Senka, I mean, are you are you Miss? Are you Miss? What, what's your surname again? Can you say it? I just want to want to hear you say it. <laughs> Stojanovic. Stojanovic. Are you and Miss Stojanovic? I've, I've Englishized it a bit. Um, so I I rarely hear my name ever spoken because. Um, 
people usually have difficulty pronouncing it, uh, my last name. Mm. Um, so a lot of people in, in the work context, they do call me by my first name. Um, and I don't mind that. Um, with, with colleagues, with nurses, um, definitely first name is okay. When it comes to people who don't know me, such as medical students or patients or family members of the patients, um, I, I, I don't mind the first name as long as it's acknowledged that, that I am the, the physician in the physician role there. So they would usually say Dr. Senka. Mm. Um, I don't expect anyone to, to say my last name because uh, honestly, I'd rather, you know, not hear it than hear it completely butchered. Um, <laughs> which it does happen occasionally at, at airports. And I was like, was that me? Why? What do you hear? What do you hear them say? To me, it's... Stojanovic. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Well, it also depends on the country where I'm at. Certain some countries are, are better at pronouncing it than others. Um, but I, I I'm not insistent on on hearing my last name. Um, first name basis for me is is fine. I'm really not that fussy about this. Um, I don't know why why was why was emergency medicine singled out here. I think um, so she said that it was kind of like trainees addressing them and I think she was kind mm. of wondering if yeah. they give off an air of perhaps Oh, being... if this happens outside of emergency medicine, yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I feel trainee, trainees are our colleagues just as, you know, anyone else that we work with. Um, so I if we work with them enough, if we know them well enough, um, I, I don't see what the big issue is um, with addressing someone. I think name. she kind of wondered if the hierarchy might be flattened more in EM, but also that, mm -hmm. uh, so she said specifically that she hadn't met these people before. So it was like, they mm -hmm. felt comfort comfortable enough to call address her by her first name, having not met her before, perhaps because she was an emergency mm -hmm. medic. And she, I think, I think, I guess the undertone there is, would she have uh, contacted a general surgical consultant in the same way as them possibly hmm. not? I mean, I, I'm I'm always telling people to call me Imran, but um, I mean, with the trainees anyway, they still always call me Dr. Lasker, and there's, mm -hmm. no, there's nothing I can do about it. I've tried a few times, but it's not going to change. Mm -hmm. With patients, though, I do make sure I call myself Dr. Lasker just so that they they know that they see right. the doctor because right. you know sometimes they're not happy; they want to see a doctor, and as long as that's done, it's like out of the way. With, with yeah, Thrusha, you want to say something? Yes, because there's a funny <laughs> reply. So the reply goes. If I have never met someone, I would find it forward to call them by their first name when referring a patient to them. Nevertheless, anyone that I work with, I would hope that they would call me by my first name as it seems weird to call people by titles when you work with them. So do you know what his first name is? Come on. Mamas. And do you know what his surname is? <laughs> Mamas. So his name is Prof no. Mamas Mamas. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, that's so funny. And then I was like, wait a second, is, I don't know if he's being serious. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Brilliant. And guess what? So he's a, he's, a, he's a really prominent, like in research, he publishes loads, right? So his name is Prof Mamas Mamas. And his registrar, his research registrar is Dr. Mohammed Mohammed. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> oh dear, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can see. Like, I probably would never um, call someone I'm meeting for the very first time by their first name mm. unless they specifically told me call me by my first name. Yeah. Um, but I, 
in in the work setting people that i work with you know on everyday basis i i don't expect them to it would it would really feel weird if they would call if they would call me by my last name i just i would feel that they're not comfortable enough with me um to call me by my first I do quite like the idea of them calling you Dr. Senka because Senka means shadow it's like Dr. Shadow yeah I know it's pretty cool I did not know that I I, I said I was just gonna drop my last name and just be known as Senka forever yeah that's pretty cool I feel like you should have been a radiologist with a name Dr. Shadow such a shame yeah yeah, I know yes missed opportunity right there well it's never too late I mean you could that that would work only in, in Serbia because that you know, that's a Serbian word for, for shadow. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, fair enough. Because if I had to explain it to everyone yeah. all the time, it was just like, lose um, the, the, mate, no, you know, the punch. If, if I was a radiologist, cool. Yeah, I would explain that to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I operate in the shadows. So you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I operate in the shadow. It just works, by the way. Uh, by the way, <laughs> did I mention? Um, oh, so yeah, there cool. was another tweet, Imran, that you kind of linked that I think uh so yes uh, oh yes uh, accidentally taking a phone call and taking it like a referral because you get a lot of phone calls don't you even like during our kind of meetings and stuff your 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 phone was going off the hook shush shush i, I don't i don't do that kind of thing oh. um uh, no okay yeah <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah i mean i'm just saying like you know obviously doing what i do i get a lot of phone calls and um you know I'm, i kind of just answer hello radiology 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 and then occasionally between while i'm on call i might get a phone call from my mum and then I'll be like, radiology. And she'll be like, uh, Imran. <laughs> oh, mum, mum. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm, no, uh, you know, I'm trying to be a bit more friendly than I, I, I've been. But then it kind of sticks with you sometimes and you kind of forget that, um, you know, you've gone back to being a normal person and you don't have to say that. I mean, if you got, you must have been in that situation. Like, being a doctor follows you around. <laughs> I don't have any phone calls. I don't answer that many phone calls. I can't relate. Do you know, have you ever signed like a kind of thank you card or whatever with your medical signature? You know, like sometimes just... <laughs> put your put your little MD, MBBS. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. MRCP, yeah, yeah, I'll put it all down. Oh yeah. I, I sign everything with just a simple squiggly oh, line wonder... and that's my signature. What is your signature? For everything. Your si- it's probably the easiest thing to falsify on this planet is my signature. It's 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 just ridiculous. Oh, my, my, mine's my handwriting. I just couldn't be bothered. Like, okay. just tell, say, you know when they say you could tell a lot about a person's personality from their signatures? Like, I couldn't be bothered, so I just wrote it out in my normal handwriting. That's my signature. Those are supposed to be the hardest ones to forge, I think, when you do that. Oh, really? Mm. So yeah. actually, mm. uh, so like an unintentional genius said again. Well, it's a story of my life. I'm an intentional <laughs> yeah, yeah, genius. There yeah, you go. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Nearly unintentional. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> clearly, nice. Um, <laughs> um, so, moving on, there was uh, another tweet that I wanted to kind of put in because it's about the Holy Grail. Um, so, there's a tweet by Dr. Gianna. So, at Gianna1993. Oh, Jesus, 1993. Um, well, I mean, yeah, whoa, there must be a child, no? Babies. So, uh, so it goes. Yeah. So, I mean, this person is almost 30 years old. Can you I imagine? It's bonkers, isn't it? It's bonkers. And then she says, so my younger sister has just moved to Melbourne for her FY3. So that per- so that person has a younger sister who's an FY3. He's like a doctor. Who's FY3, right. Yeah, to work in Pete's A&E. And she's received her rotor and found she's been allocated shifts on e- Christmas Day, Xmas Day, and Boxing Day. Fine. Except she's got tickets to watch the ashes on Boxing Day. And I was like, oh, what happens next? Scroll down. She decided to try her luck and asked the rotor coordinator if she could at least take <laughs> Boxing Day as annual leave so she could use her tickets. Obviously not expecting much in return and this is I was my hackles were rising there to quote Rosie uh, and then she said well the rotor coordinator just changed her rotor around so she didn't have to take annual leave 
Isn't that's that amazing? Isn't it? That's amazing. I feel this is a setup just so she could post it on Twitter. It was like it's not real <laughs> life. Real. I don't believe it. Yeah, I refuse. What planet is this? Yeah. It's nice that they um they the the hospital has actually managed to you know change things around for them. I can't think of a single place I worked where they've they've changed. Wonder things if she'll come back to the NHS ever again. No. I wouldn't. Would I mean, you? this is this is a pretty strong argument against it, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they allow you to have a life. They allow you to actually yeah. have a life outside of work. That's amazing. What an amazing thing. Um, and the weather is nice. Oh man, yeah, it was nice. I mean, we I, I really do did enjoy Australia. I do intend on going back uh, back someday. Um, I think we've been speaking for quite a while now. Mm. One hour twenty minutes, isn't it? You know, and speaking of time taken, I mean, we've taken up a lot of your time, uh, Senka. Uh, is there any any parting words you'd like to give to to the audience uh, on Twitter or anything Ooh. in life? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, if I had a good advice, I'd probably take it myself. <laughs> um, everyone, go to therapy. Oh. I think everyone should probably go to therapy at some point in their life. Mm. Um, I, I I think there is yeah I think it's it's quite useful and um, get advice. to know yourself through therapy yeah yeah, yeah I think so. it's something that we I need to feel more confident don't get don't get to know yourself through you know your family your spouse no it's the therapist they speak the truth mm. interesting yeah it is definitely go to therapy it is very very useful to have someone that has no connection to you whatsoever um, and you know. even if you don't think you need it you probably do mm. yeah yeah. I think that's that's a very positive thing to say. Um, um, And, you know, speaking of positive things to say, Senka, I think um, I was thinking about, um, you know, you coming on to the podcast and, um, you know, when Thrusha and I started the podcast, I think I remember you retweeted uh, an episode uh, and you you actually said everyone should listen to this uh, this, uh, podcast. And I remember I actually messaged you, who is a Senka? And uh, you know they've they've tweeted that about it's like us. Some random surgeon in Poland. Like, yeah, yeah. But I, but you know, I was just like, this is crazy. Like this is, I, I think people are actually listening to us. This is absolute madness. And I think your tweet was one of the tweets where I really felt like, yeah. Hang on, I think people are really listening to this. Yeah, I think yeah, people yeah. might be enjoying what we're doing. You made here. a massive so, difference. Um, I think we we're at a point. We're at a- oh, oh I, I don't know if I did. I I think the the podcast is really good. I think that's why people listen oh, to it, not really because kind of, no, I, meant, I said. I, I meant more for it. us actually, because it kind of gave like certainly for you know like our kind of confidence with it and Imran like was kind of a oh. bit ropey. But like you know, you gave us that kind of endorsement. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's keep going. Okay. So like, uh, oh, let's I'm keep going, happy. Man. Let's do it. This makes me so happy. <laughs> Yeah. I yeah, really enjoyed the really, podcast. Uh, I, I nice. listen to every single episode, so um, um, yeah. Never okay, this is getting someone. gross now. It's getting gross. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's stop. It is the yeah, only yeah, podcast, podcast I actually listen. I'm I'm not much of a podcast person. I never got into podcasts, but this is the only one I never miss. Oh, wow, there you awesome. go. Yeah. You might miss this one then. I, I, I see like a little tear. <laughs> <laughs> Imran is getting teary eyed. <laughs> No, mate, I don't do feelings. He's going to punch himself in the face now. Exactly, I'm going to go punch myself in the face. This is why I was really terrified to come on the podcast because I just did not want to ruin it. I was so scared of ruining it for you guys. No, no, it's been great. I mean, you know, we, we was... We was coming to these. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I still go into the, each episode feeling pretty nervous. And on the Sunday when we're about to release it, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's going to be the last episode. Yeah. But we're still here. We're still going. Yeah. You know, amazing. You know, let's see. Let's see how far we can take this. Thank you, Senka, so much uh, for turning up and uh, giving us your time. Thank I'm you so sure, much for having me. I'm sure the next time you're in London, we will be able yeah. to actually organise a meet up and have a dinner or something. That'd be really, really lovely. Oh, that would be lovely. Um, I look very much forward to it. Yeah. Uh, and as always, Twitter, uh, Twitter, you've been um, balmy, crazy. 
at, at each other all the time. Uh, no, just joking. It's been, as always, been very, very, uh, lots and lots of fun commentating on some of the fun and, and talking about this community that we have together. As usual, uh, you know, like, let's try and get along, let's stay out of trouble and let's not get cancelled, everyone. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you. Bye. 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 And you've been listening to Two Medics and One Mic with Imran Lasker and Darusha Gawadna. Thank you for listening.